0: Hello and welcome to the About to Interview podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. This is a supplemental version of the About to Review podcast, which drops every Wednesday and covers movies, TV shows, film festivals, and more. You can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This show focuses solely on the conversations that I have with authors, directors, actors, and creators, and is available on YouTube as well as subscribing to the podcast. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests at abouttoreview.com. in the promotional artwork for season 2 and also in the opening title sequence of Luke Cage you know he is carrying Harlem on his back and on his skin and i wanted to ask you who do you carry with you you know who drives you forward in your creative process
1: well i i don't carry anybody on my back i have I'm a running back with blocks that, you know, basically, because everything for me is football. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, um, in the writers room in particular, um, you know, dialogue is offense, um, structure is defense.
2: Hmm. And
1: um, together we come up with the plays that, you know, our quarterback, Mike Coulter, is going to execute for the rest of the team. And, um, you know, myself as head coach is really just, you know, navigating. You know all these all these elements, and but but occasionally it's only audible. Um, so so for me it's 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 really it's the support is is everywhere from the writers' room. It's all the writers, whether it's myself, probably season two in particular. Myself, Ida Kroll Kayla Cooper, Ian Stokes, um, Nicole Morante Matthews, uh, Nathan Jackson, Matt Owens, and Matthew Lopes. Um, you know um but you know, as the, the the nucleus writing producing staff. And, you know, there was there was a lot of crossover because a lot of the names that is mentioned also um were the same writers on season one, mm-hmm. with the exception of, of a few others. Um, you know, because um Charles, Jason and Christian um left the show, not and you know, to basically to run their own shows. Um, you know, um because um, Jason went went on to run House of Cards, um as well as um She's um, running Berlin Station right now. Charles went into an overall deal. Um, although, you know, off record, I mean, he, he's back if, you know, if <laughs> we end up getting a season three. Right. Um, and Christian also is doing other things. But the thing is, is that, like, um, we had very little turnover. Um, and it's funny how people say, well, people that like the season say, well, man, it's like, it just seems like you have new writers. No, it's, just, it's just us. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? It's just that we just have a different not a mandate, but we just have a different confidence um, in the way that we told this story this season. Um, but then again, it's also, I mean, it's it's also everything. I mean, it's just like we have incredible support from our, at least I have incredible support, support from within Marvel and also at Netflix, um, in addition to Gail Behringer, our producer and the crew. And, you know, the thing is, is that, oh, and then, of course, I, I can't even go without mentioning, um, Adrian Young, Alixie Muhammad, mm-hmm. um, you know, gave gave Hilfer and um, you know, um, Susan Kent and um, Michael Brake, you know, the kind of music nucleus, which have got, which of course is is to me the music side is 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 an equal partner to our writers, and then of course the actors. I mean, you know, the thing is, it's like this is a different kind of show where, you know. Um, the actors have heavy say in what we do. Um, mm-hmm. I do. because you know, um, the way that I view show running is, um, you either are a Phil Spector type showrunner, or you're or you're Mike Quincy Jones. I'm more of the Quincy Jones school. The Phil Spector school is, you know, this is the, these are the songs I'm writing. It's my way or the highway. You're just a simple voice amidst a symphony of of sound that I'm that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So the singers become disposable. Whether it's you know, you know Ronnie Spector or or Tina Turner doing you know, River Deep Mountain High, whatever it is, the star of the show is Phil Spector. I'm not that kind of showrunner. I'm more like Quincy Jones because the reason that Quincy Jones could work with Leslie Gore. And Frank Sinatra and Count Basie and Ray Charles and Michael Jackson, and all these other people successfully was that he tailored the music of his songs around the singer. And so whether it's my culture, whether it's Alfred Woodard, whether it's Simone Missick, there's back and forth, and we tailor you know the show um, around them in a way that's, that's bespoke um, and is definitely a collaboration. Um, rather than, you know, a dictatorship, just to be to be perfectly honest. Now, now it doesn't mean it's story-wise that, you know, that I'm a cream puff, that I'm going <laughs> to do anything any and everything that, 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 that they say. But they know, and they do, and when we get on the phone and we talk, if I'm not on set, they're like, okay, you know, let's talk about this and there's trust between us because of just how well season one and season two have come out. It's like, they, you know, they, they trust me and I trust them.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was something that so at the recent ace comic-con you know here in seattle you know i of course was was there for your panel you know we met beforehand for a little bit and you know you talked about you know one of those things were not being always on set you know you miss some of those those moments and so one moment that you talked about was the kind of quintessential moment from season one with mahershala ali you know walking towards the camera and with the biggie print behind him with the crown. Right. So in moments like that, where you see that, you know, maybe in the dailies or however you guys structure that, since you cannot always be on set, you know, how are those moments kind of created when you do get those and you get to see them, then how kind of, you know, do you structure your feedback to the crew who is there on set?
1: Well, the thing is, is that, um We have, you know, every writer that I mentioned, um, you know, in the writer's room also produces, meaning that they they go on set for their episodes. And um, I kind of view myself more as the editor-in-chief of Luke Cage. Okay. If Luke Cage was run like a magazine. Mm -hmm. So um, there are going to be times, you know, in the scripts where, like, you know, like, I'm not heavy-handed, but that, like, I collaborate whether my name's on it or not on scripts. But the producers fully own their episodes when they go on set in terms of they're, they're producing the episodes. They better answer the actor's questions. I don't micromanage in that way because mm-hmm. you, you just can't, you have to trust your collaborators or what I always say is like, you know, um, if you're going to take a chance take it, but you better yeah. be right.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that does something <laughs> that I,
1: you know, I mean, <laughs> but, man, that's not me being arrogant, but it, basically letting them know, like, okay, you know, think about it before you do it, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust you, because if I didn't trust you, you wouldn't be out there in the first place. Because what you don't want to do is paralyze production by them being worried about what you're going to like, what you're not going to like. Absolutely. And between, you know, Marvel, who's very hands-on, I mean, there are always a lot of people there, but like, ultimately, we try to keep things really simple and simplified um, so that the actors. Feel free to, to stretch, but then at the same time, know that that we care, and that you know, and that we're there for input.
0: Mm-hmm. And tying into some of your vast musical background, <laughs> I mean, you were in the music, you know, journalism industry for for a long time. And the way that albums were structured when we were growing up, because both of us, you know, '90s hip hop, you know, is our is our bread and butter. And you know, you had the A side and the B side, where the A side had all of the radio hits, you know, the big things, and the B side was where people could get, you know, a little bit more experimental and do some different things. How would you relate that to season one of Luke Cage versus season two?
1: Well, I mean, one of the best sequence albums of all time is a Public Enemy takes Nation and Managing to Hold Us Back. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that's equally equally incredibly sequenced is, um, you know, Ice Cube's death certificate, Um, you know, um, and they were different back in the day if you owned the cassette, because there was an actual place on the record where they flipped, and then you Mm -hmm. flipped on the second side, and it's no different in terms of watching a television show, where after episode seven or eight, there's a dramatic climax that pushes you into the second side of the season. Right. And so it's kind of it's kind of sequenced and reflected like that. Like, you know, public enemies, you know, takes nation Mill and holds it back. You know, builds and, builds and builds and builds until finally, you know, you flip over B side, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: you know. Freedom was a road seldom traveled by the multitude and then boom, public
2: enemy number one. Mm-hmm.
1: So show, show what you got. And and then it just it's like the whole feel of the record changes and goes in a different direction because the second side is the side that has Rebel Without a Pause it's the second side that has She Watched Channel Zero but the first side had Bring the Noise the first side had um, you know um, Don't Believe the Hype you know mm-hmm. and, and it's the balance uh, you know the second the B side is the side that has Black Steel Now or Chaos so you just want to make sure that as you get deeper into this album that you still have deep records to go so that you don't run out of steam you know
0: before the very end mm-hmm. and that was something else that you brought up on your panel is that you really wanted to structure both season one and season two, like an album, because you know, when you used to pick up an album and probably still, you know, today, but especially back in the day when that was the main way you got it is you would get the record, play the whole thing from beginning to end, then play it again from beginning to end. And that is how people are getting their shows nowadays, like Netflix on Friday, 13 episodes dropped and people could just get all of it right there. Mhm. And so yeah, I mean you said that you yep. structured it kind of like a, you know, almost a double album.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like you want things to have a feel like, you know, Simon & Times is a, is a big influence on on my sequencing, you know, um, you know, 1999 which also mm-hmm. was, was was literally a double album because people would forget what it was like to have an actual double album where you right. had actual vinyl that you would put out and flip it twice. You know, like so that's what I remember as a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, we we basically are trying the same thing with this show. And um, you know, there are gonna be critics, there are gonna be the Alan Sephal of the World World that just don't understand it. You know, and and that are going to be vocally against it and to them, I just basically just think about the fact that, you know, there are going to be those people that just like, you know, want things to be, you know, twisted shout and she loves me and uh, Michelle, my bell, as opposed to, you know, getting into the deeper stretches of like the White Album or oh, Abbey really? Road or, you know, something else or like that album rock is probably lost on them. I mean, they probably don't like the Beatles, I'm sorry, don't like the Eagles or or don't like Zeppelin,
2: Mm -hmm. because of the
1: fact that those songs like Neander. I mean, you know, it it takes a moment for Hotel California to get round up. You know, it takes a moment for Stairway to Heaven or Moby Dick to, you know, go places. So, you know, but if you're into that shit, it's great, you know?
0: Yeah, and then you have, you know, the other ones like Ana Gata DeVita with a 12-minute drum track, and you're like, okay, you know, we we could probably wrap this up here in a little bit.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just depends. I mean, you know, like, like, but for me, it's like sometimes, like, I, I like, one of my favorite records is, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones song, Can't you Hear Me Not Here? Okay. Because that song just extends forever. Like, like, you've got the whole song, and then all of a sudden it just kind of descends almost into this, like, rock jazz thing mm-hmm. that just keeps going, you know, and, um, Scorsese is really good about using moments like that in his movies because he has a whole sequence set to the extended version of that in Casino. Oh, right. Like, what I also loved was, like, perfect example. was like, I didn't realize that, like, he basically split Layla in two and used the second half of Layla in Goodfellas. Because you listen to the song Layla, you know, you have the whole Head of the song, Layla, she got me on my knees the whole song, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, and then you, and then you get to that whole piano part. And then when you hear the piano part, like, oh, shit, it's good, fellas. <laughs> if you didn't realize there was, there, that this long ass song had the, the two parts, and that he basically split it up. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So one of the one of the kind of the, the last questions is I've been kind of not obsessed, but really fascinated with kind of failures, you know, these days. And you talked about an interesting way, you know, an interesting quote that you said was smart people learn from their own mistakes, wise people learn from the mistakes of others. So from season one to season two, kind of what were those things that both you learned from your own mistakes and the people around you?
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, um, killing off Cod mouth was not a mistake that was deliberate okay. and it's something i stand by you know um even though it pissed people off and even though people are like, off oh, <laughs> show, like that's seven shows, <laughs> but like you know um Marshall wouldn't have taken the role if if we didn't give him out because he didn't want to tie himself to a series regular role
0: he interesting
1: didn't. you know particularly after after his relationship um on um House of Cards, where he felt after a while that his character was, was underused, and it was after a while, because Remy started off being a very major part of the ensemble. After a while, they, they, they ran out of story. Mm-hmm. But he was still stuck up to the show, so when he got he just got free of House of Cards, the last thing he wanted to do was link himself to another series, particularly a new series that he didn't really know what it was going to be, other than, other than that he liked the first two episodes, because those were the only two scripts that were done at the time.
0: Oh, gotcha. You
1: know? So. So that's the thing. It's like people are like, oh, yeah, see, you didn't know Marshall was going to shine. That's why you killed him off because you didn't know, man. You didn't know, son. I'm like, no, I knew. <laughs> but it's just like, but he wouldn't take it all otherwise. Come on. hmm You know? So, uh, you know, there's no regrets with that. I, you know, um, I think if there's regrets, honestly, it's that um, I wish that we hadn't of gotten caught up in the practicality of being grounded Hmm. because having to have somebody wear a super suit to fight your superhero makes it stilted automatically doesn't matter the quality of the scripts doesn't matter the quality of the act because i think that eric harvey is an excellent actor and i think that he really did do the best that we gave to him but you know people just got so caught up in the suit that they you know and hating diamondback because he wasn't cottonmouth that they lost everything else
0: interesting you know?
1: and it's really unfair and i'm hoping that in time when people you know particularly after after the end of having watched season two that they go all the way back to season one just to watch how the show has evolved
0: okay i mean yeah that definitely you know makes sense and those are very valid things where the practicality of it especially with the netflix marvel shows is on a totally different scale than the marvel cinematic universe right yeah and then to to kind of wrap it up um, one other kind of thing that i thought was was pretty incredible is that you said you know perfection is the enemy of good and sometimes you just need to just grind and just get stuff done and you talked about just the writing process you know for this and how you even correlated it to a wolverine metaphor in the first movie where rogue asked him you know does it hurt every time and he said every time you know so I, I just i really appreciated your kind of approach to that because people you know look at at you and some of the other showrunners in the marvel cinematic universe and they're just like oh that must be you know the dream it is still work it is still you know a job that you love but like you said perfection is the enemy of good sometimes you just got to just grind and just get it done
1: yeah and it's a hard thing because you know you, thats the Gestation stage, you, you just got to get the baby out of the womb. Right. <laughs> but then once the baby's out, I mean, of course, you know, you can do a better job of, of raising it from the outside, mm-hmm. and teaching how to walk and everything else. But you really just, just have to make sure that that, that the baby is, is healthy, you know, until it can be born. Although everybody wants the baby to be born, but they, you know, you got to prevent people's impatience from the baby being born prematurely. Mm-hmm. That's really the hardest part. It's people like, oh, I'm so sick and tired. Let's let's get it over with already. You are big enough, right? Let's go. And you're like, no, we're not cutting a baby out early. <laughs> you know, like let it, let it get healthy enough so that we, so that when it comes out, it can be, it can remain healthy. It's really the biggest thing.
0: And with the, the people timing, people
1: are impatient. And, you, and, and 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 your job as the as the as the um, the OBGYN of of the story is to be like, go wait, in the, go wait in the waiting room. Shut the
0: <laughs> up. <laughs> Right. Now, do you think that you know? with this season two, that that patience was, was there, you know, that you felt that this story came out at the right time?
1: Oh, hell no. They, they, they're always impatient.
0: <laughs> okay. And they
1: still are. But, but you know, it's, it's just after a while, it's just, you, you get the experience to say like, you know what, you can be as angry as you want, but it's not going to make it better. And all you care about is the result. So like, let's go for the best result, not the process. And you figure it out.
0: Yeah, and this—I mean, this season was very different, you know, than season one. I mean, you—you go to different places in New York. You introduce different cultures and tones, and of course, the musicality, you know, of the show, you know, is so so different. But at the same time, it still feels real. It still feels connected to season one, which is a huge credit. Thank you. Yeah, so I know that you... I mean, ha- oh, go ahead.
1: We, we, we just go for what we know, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and thank just you. And go for the best. <laughs> yeah, so thank you again uh, just for taking the time, you know, both for Ace Comic Con. I mean, you had a great panel and just talked about, you know, just the, your music background, which is so deep, you know, that I highly encourage people to just go look up some of your stuff because you are one of the first to write about Wu-Tang, one of the first to interview Biggie, one of the last to interview Biggie, like you have been in this game for a long time and that really bleeds through to your other projects and it is pretty incredible.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So I have been talking with Joe Coker, the showrunner of Marvel's Luke Cage. You can binge all of the episodes, uh, right now. The soundtrack is available, I think right now, right?
1: Yeah, no, the, the the soundtrack is out. Um, um, and um, also, uh, the, uh, so the soundtrack and the score are the same thing. They're both out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Adrian Young and Ali Chee Muhammad's The Midnight Hour, um, you know, is also um, in stores. And even though their album is separate from the show, it's, it's an extension of the sound that they created for the show. Mm-hmm. Listening to that album, which is so incredible, made me realize that uh, ultimately, you know, the show is, is the sound of The Midnight Hour, their band. Um, and it's an amazing record. And so I really recommend highly that if, that if you're going to buy the, you know, this Luke Cage soundtrack that you also buy, um, you know, the Midnight Hours um, album as well, because it, it just it just extends the groove
0: even more. Fantastic. I will put both of those links in the show notes below. And that definitely will give somebody a lot of new music, considering your soundtrack for season two is 55 tracks.
1: Oh, Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Mixing the show is, we mix 13 albums.
0: Wow. (laughs) Um,
1: So, yeah, it is crazy.
0: (laughs) So that is fantastic. So, and yeah, all of the links to both Cheo and the show will be in the the show notes below. So thank you again uh, so much, Cheo.
1: Thank you so much.